Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Today we're wrapping up. We've uh, spent five weeks in the Our House series, and today I'm wrapping it up. And I'm talking about Our House is a multi-generational house, and we've titled it Ages Only a number. Um, And uh, it kind of falls to me to talk about this, and I'm excited, I'm passionate about it, and actually more and more I'm I'm passionate about us being a multi-generational church. Um, And, you know, life changes for a lot of people. We go through different seasons, and I'm in a season where I'm watching a lot of kids' TV, not in my own personal time, But, you know, we, we've uh, just started a family. And so I remember growing up, and I think you can, you can age people and you can see what kind of generation that they're from based on the TV programs that they grew up watching or if they watch TV programs at all. Um, and for me, I grew up watching this, Play Days. Anyone remember Play Days? Give me a wave, drop it in the chat. Come on, I loved Play Days. Like when that sound and the little bus would drive around and then it would spin and I would be like, please be Peggy Patch, please be Peggy Patch, please be Peggy Patch. I loved Peggy Patch. I had a little dog, I'm sure my mum's got it somewhere. Um, but I loved Play Days. They don't make them as good as that anymore. But I'm in a world where I'm watching a lot of kids' TV at the moment. And if you're a parent or grandparent, you might relate to watching some uh, kids' TV at the moment. I want to give out some awards that I've spotted uh, from uh, kids' TV. The worst kids' TV or, uh, kids' TV program on TV is this. Yes. <laughs> I heard a yes and an applause. I think she's the reason why people started eating bacon. <laughs> she's a little madden. Honestly, the attitude, no wonder we've got loads of little girls walking around with attitude problems. It's Peppa Pig's fault. I do not like Peppa Pig. Okay, the weirdest kids' TV programme has to be this, In the Night Garden. What on earth is that? Like, I thought the Teletubbies was weird, but that... Honestly, it's like they got a bunch of writers together, gave them hallucinogenic drugs, and they came up with that. What on earth is an Iggle Piggle and a Ninky Nonk? Like, <laughs> it is so bizarre. Okay, the best kids' TV program is this. Bluey. Honestly, Bluey is incredible. If you have got kids and your kids don't watch Bluey, you are depriving them of a better life. <laughs> Bluey is incredible. There's, you know how, like, you know a good panto when there's stuff in there that the adults get that just goes totally over the kids' heads? Bluey is full of that. And I love that at the end of every Bluey episode, I can pause it and go, right, what did we learn today? Because it's full of just great stuff for kids. It's so good that sometimes we put the kids to bed, open a glass of wine and go, should we put some Bluey on? <laughs> we love Bluey in our house. It is absolutely brilliant. And you know, when, when it comes to TV and stuff, imagine Christmas Day, all the family around, you've finished your Christmas meal, and then it's time to watch TV. What happens when you've got kids, you've got grown-ups, you've got grandparents in the room? What happens? You go for the thing that the kids want to watch. Because when there's lots of generations in the house together, you defer to the preference of the younger children. But actually, what happens is you don't all sit around and watch it together, do you? Because The kids are enthralled and they're engrossed in the TV, but then mum and dad go, oh, well, 
now's the chance to get the dishes done. Now's the chance to tidy the kitchen while we're not dealing with them. And then grandparents on Christmas Day, what do they do? Sleep. And so it's not that they're all engaged, but actually what we want to talk about today is not that, hey, we should always go to the preference of the younger generations. I'm not going to talk about how we need to invest loads in next gen because we know that we do, and we talked about that already. If you, if you want that content, go back to on YouTube in July. Me and Sam Hughes talked about that. But what I want to talk about is that each generation is valued equally, that we here at Life Central Church, we value every single generation, but our needs and our, our contributions are given and met in different ways. And I really believe that we can learn from each other as generational generations, as being multi-generation, having different age people as part of the family is so, so vital. Whether you're part of the church family and call yourself a Christian, hey, every generation is welcome here and every generation is valued and important. But you know, if you're not a Christian and you're not into this church stuff, every generation in your family should be valued. Every generation's contribution should be valued. But we believe here that the message of Jesus is for every single generation. That's why we're saying today that age is only a number because Jesus died for you, whether you're nine months old or 99 years old, Jesus died for you. And in this series, we've been hanging out in the book of Acts. And um, I want to pull out a little story that just shows what I'm talking about. And in this story, Paul and Silas, they've been put in prison for telling people about Jesus and praying for people how dare they. And they're put in prison, they're in the inner cell, and it says about midnight, they're singing songs like we just sang there, but probably they didn't have a band as beautiful as our band. But they're singing songs, and suddenly there's a big flash of light, and there's a crash and a bang, and they're chained, and their handcuffs are flown off. The prison is blown wide open, and we're going to pick that up from that point in Acts 16 because it says the jailer called for lights rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas he then brought them out and asked says what must I do to be saved what must I do to know this God that's broken you free of prison they they replied believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved you and your household if you're reading along in a paper Bible and you're being old school, you might want to ring, put a ring around that. We're going to come back to that in a moment. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his, and his household were baptised. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. I want you to imagine the scene. I don't think we do this enough, right? This guy's gone to work and said to his wife, right, I'm on the night shift tonight, I'll be back about 7am. Um, and then it says about midnight, all of this kicks off. And then the Bible doesn't say, so he waited till his shift was over. It says he took him to his household. Imagine the scene where he, he arrives and he's like, bang, pressing on the ring doorbell. Love, get out of bed, get out of bed, get out of bed. What, what, it's one o'clock in the morning? Yeah, look, I've got these two lads. They've just broken out of prison. I need you to, I need you to make them some food. Imagine his wife. She's like, what on earth is going on? Just, just go in, put the oven on, put, boil the kettle. I'll get the kids up. And he goes up and he's like, right, come on, come on. Everybody up, everybody up, everybody up. I've got two prisoners downstairs. They need to tell you about Jesus. Come down. Like, imagine the kid's face. Like, 
what do you mean you've brought prisoners home? Like, and then he gathers the whole household around and he says, right, guys, you need to listen to what they've got to say because you won't believe what's just happened. But they're just going to get a bath first because it says he washed their wounds. They're just going to have a bath and have a bit of Greg's. And then they're going to tell you about Jesus. And you see, I think you can read this passage and go, you can read it two ways, really. You can read it and think, hey, because this guy, the jailer, responds to the message of Jesus, that he and his whole household are saved. That's not what it's saying. What Paul and Silas are saying, that if you respond, you will be saved. You can know Jesus for yourself. But also, this message that I'm telling you right now is for every single person in your household, which is why the jailer then goes, right, you will come home. You need to tell them that message then. And he tells the kids and he tells the, the grandparents who are living in their house and he tells the whole household. It's not that he gets them saved by him making the decision. In the same way that you coming to church today doesn't make you a Christian, you know, like going and sitting in your garage for a couple of hours doesn't make you a car. Like, you have to make that decision for yourself. And that's what is going on here, you see. It's for every single individual in a household. And that's why we do what we do at Life Central. That's why we have kids' work. The kids' work going on in all of our locations today isn't to keep the kids quiet so that the adults can do proper church. In Life Central Kids, they're telling them about Jesus. They're telling them this message that Paul and Silas told that household. That's why we do youth stuff. That's why we have groups for younger adults. And it's why we have, you know, connect groups for parents with young families. I know the thing that I'm really appreciating about my connect group at the moment is going, my goodness, bedtime's hard, isn't it? And we all go, yeah. Should we do the notes now? Yeah. I find that really, really helpful in our connect group. You know, we have, we have groups for older adults. We have groups for every, um, every season of life because we know that the message of Jesus isn't just for one generation. I'm not about building a young adult's church or a youth church. That makes my toes curl because this message of hope, of Jesus' love and forgiveness and life is for every single generation. And so even if you're not a Christian today, I want you to know whatever age, whatever your background, Jesus' message of hope is for you. And whatever age you are, if you're a church person, Jesus has got something for you. And that's why I loved our dream team party that we had a few weeks ago, where we had almost every age demographic represented. represented. I think the youngest, someone's just spotted themselves, going, look, there's me. I, you know, I loved that like, you know, we had 14-year-olds and we had people in their 90s, all serving as part of our dream team, making things happen. It's so, so great, and I absolutely love it. But, you know, I don't want us to just coexist. I don't want us to be uh, in, like, siloed off generational groups. Those groups are really, really important. But I think, actually, it's not that we are just multi-generational, but we're intergenerational as well, that we are interdependent on each other because we need the voice of every generation. Older people, we need your voice. People who are older than me, I need your voice and your wisdom, okay? That I'm not gonna be watching kids' TV forever. I need those voices. We need the voices of younger people who see the world in a different way to the way I see it and challenge me and the things that I've always seen, hey, I see it this way. And young people go, well, why? We need the voices of every single generation. And Paul, who's the guy who's in prison, he's writing to a, a group of other Christians in a place called Corinth. And in the book of Corinthians, he writes this. He says, just as one body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. 
so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, young or old, millennial or baby boomer, whatever you want to call it, and we, all, we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. You see, we are all valued parts of the body. Whatever your demographic, whatever your generation, you are a valued part of this body. And, you know, in a, in a family, you know, people, everybody plays a role. You might not feel like you do in your house. You know, one of the things as a youth pastor, I would talk to young people and say, you play a role in your house. You contribute to the mood of your house. And parents of teenagers know full well that teenagers contribute to the mood of their house. And, you know, where I, I know growing up, like, our house would change when my grandparents came around. Like, suddenly everybody was on their best behavior. We didn't say grace every mealtime, but suddenly when Nan and Granddad were there, we said grace. And because I think what happens is, is who's in the house determines the mood of the house. Or to put it differently, I would say this, your contribution counts. And so when you're not at church, when you're not part of us, we miss you because your contribution counts. If you're not a church person and you're not yet a Christian, do you know what? You, we would love you to follow Jesus. Because why? Because we think you've got a contribution that counts. And we really, really do believe that. You know, what, what you can give this house or to your house is vital. And I think there's some reasons why people might count themselves out of a contribution. It might be that you've had words spoken over you, that you've been told that you're useless, that you're not worth anything, that you're a waste of space, that you're nothing but trouble. I want to say that that's a lie. Your contribution counts. Maybe it's failure that you try to contribute. Maybe you tr- maybe I'm, I'm talking in a church sense, but also in your family sense as well. Maybe you've tried to make things right. Maybe you've tried to step out and make a contribution and it just felt like it fell flat. And maybe since then you've counted yourself out. Maybe it's disappointment and somebody else hurt you. That, uh, you know, that you've tried to do it and people have just hurt you and said things that have made you disappointed. Maybe it's your age and you've counted yourself out. You know, I love... Um, Derek, who's recently retired, I had a conversation recently, um, and I said, Derek, what, what can I be praying for you? It was in our staff devotions time. And he said, I'm retiring soon, but I know not, God's not done with me, because in the words of the song that we often sing here, my testimony, he said, if I'm not dead, then, he, then you're not done, and I want to see what God's got for me. I'm like, come on. But I think sometimes we can count ourselves out because of our age, or I'm not experienced enough to do that, or maybe it's fear. Maybe fear of what might happen and what God might do with, if you begin to step out and look for where your contribution is to this house. But I want you to understand that your contribution counts. What you bring to our family, to our house, counts. And to dig into it a little bit deeper, I want to go back to what Paul was saying. And if you've zoned out, zone back in. This is going to require some concentration because it gets a bit wordy. Track with it. I'll read it slowly. Now... If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, 
which would be very strange, <laughs> where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, again, weird, just massive ears walking around, <laughs> where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. I think generationally, we need each other. We cannot be saying to, to older generations and younger generations, we don't need you, we've got this box, we've got TikTok, we've got smartphones, we're sorted. We don't need your help, but absolutely we need your help. We need each other. What you bring specifically makes us a better house and a better family. But there are, there are factors that can let, determine the level of what you contribute, and I think that's important to acknowledge that your contribution counts, but how you contribute is, is, is maybe determined by a couple of factors. The first thing, I think, is, is your age can determine the level of your, your contribution. You, know, you don't ask kids to pay the rent, do you? You don't say, right, now you're nine, you need to start giving some money, I need £100 a month off you. But you ask them maybe to contribute to the appropriate level to them. And what's brilliant is off the back of the dream team party, we've had some kids come to us and say, I want to be on the dream team, I want to come to parties. And so, like, <laughs> I mean, if only it was that simple. But what's been great is Sam, our kids pastor, has been able to just begin to think about how can we get kids serving within, the, within Life Central Kids and how can we maybe get them running the tuck shop and doing all these kind of things. We're trying to find age-appropriate places for them to serve. Um, you know, your skill set can determine... You, you would not want me up here on this stage singing, okay? That would make the house fall down, like, and not in a good way. Okay, I am so delighted that we have got somebody like Dan and the guys who are in this band. But you know, if you can't play guitar, we're not going to put you in the band. If you've got a great smile and a really welcoming spirit, we're going to say, we would love you on the hosting team because you can make a great contribution. We want to find the place where you can contribute and you can be at your best and in your sweet spot and contribute there. We want to help you discover your gifts and, and position you appropriately. It might be your stage of life. You know, your stage of life can determine what you contribute. You know, when my, um, when my mum, who's now the kid's grandparents, comes and the kids say, can I have some chocolate? She says, yes. When they say, can I have some ice cream? They say, she says, yes. When, when they say, can we have some Haribos? She says, yes. And I don't know who this woman is that is coming into my house that looks and talks like my mum, but that is not the woman that raised me. <laughs> but you see, those of you who are grandparents know that suddenly it's their fun to be a grandparent because you've got to have loads of sugar. I'm not putting you to bed. Good night. <laughs> your role changes, and so your role changes depending on the season of life that you're in. And so maybe if you're in your 20s, you might have more time to give. And so you can, you can give in different ways. Maybe you've got stuff going on that life is busy and there's certain things. Your stage of life can determine the level of your contribution. And that's okay. Maybe there are some circumstances that you're like, hey, I'm going through some stuff right now. You know, what was really nice to see David here this morning, who's wife sadly passed away this week and I went over to give him a hug and he said, this is strange, this is the first time I've been in church in three years. 
Because of Margaret's illness, they've had to stay away. But now he's in a, he was in a circumstance where he couldn't be here. And he said, it's great to be in, in, in church again, in person. See, so your circumstances can, can determine the level of contribution. And the, the final thing that I want to say, and that's a little bit more tricky to, to say, but is, is your relationship with Jesus can determine that. You know, when, um, when I was a youth pastor, somebody asked me and they said, do you want the lives of your leaders replicated in the lives of your young people? I thought that was a real challenge. And so off the back of it, we, we thought and prayed about it and came up with a, with a bit of a lifestyle agreement that we ask our, our youth leaders and our kids leaders who are investing and, and um, kind of leading small groups with children and young people, that there's certain lifestyle things that we want them to agree to. And, and it's not a contract as such, but it's being, being clear because we want to say, we, we're giving you a huge level of contribution here. We want to make sure that we're multiplying the right things. And so there may well be things in, in your life that we might have to graciously say, hey, you can serve in this area, but not in that area. And we would never do that in a judgmental way and, a, oh, you're such a bad person. That was never, ever our heart. Our heart is we want to position you in an appropriate place for you in your skill set, in your stage of life, and in your walk with Jesus. But we, as Adam said last week, we believe that, that Jesus makes you better at life and makes your life better. No matter whether you're a millennial, whether you're Gen Z, whether you're a baby boomer, Gen X, Gen Alpha, or you knew Adam and Eve personally, you know, no matter, no matter your background, your past, your experience, your job, your income, your sexuality, your race, your gender, your political leaning, your religious experience, God invites each and every one of us into his family. And that includes those of you who sat there going, I'm not a churchy person, I don't get this. God invites you into his family. And if you're a mess, guess what? So are we. If you've got a messy family, so have we. If you think this church is perfect, please don't join it because you'll spoil it. <laughs> we are not a perfect family, not in any sense. If your family is messy, you will fit right in because we are a messy family. But there's a place for you because your contribution counts. And we are a multi-generational church. And I want to just say one last thing as, as the band make, make their way up. And, and I want to say this. It's really easy to get on a platform and talk about it and make some jokes and inspire people. It's another thing to do it. It is really hard. I know it's hard to work with people who aren't from the same generation as you, up and down. There's people who I work with and, and you know, I, I head up our Equip program. And so often I'm like, what are you playing at? It's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to work with people who, who are older. It's hard to be alongside different generations because you're brought up in slightly different ways. It is tough. You know, there are things about, you know, millennials don't have any resilience in them because they were given participation medals and they should, I'm a millennial, you know, we, we should be given stuff handed to us, this entitlement thing, you know, the, this whole thing about, well, well boomers just want go to go back to what it was like in the war and Gen Z, we think, well, hey, we're, they're obsessed with ourselves, themselves and all this kind of stuff, all these, gen, uh, these generational stereotypes are really easy to go, yeah, 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 buy into that. I want to invite us to do something different. Because I think actually all the stuff that comes out of this generational stuff is all stuff from the human heart. And the human heart has been flawed for centuries, thousands of years. 
And you see, we might think, oh, look at Gen Z and think they're selfie-obsessed. Narcissism's been around since Bible times. Like, none of this stuff is new. It just presents itself in a different way. And so I want to invite us to look to understand each other. And I've used this before, but I just think it's so good. Carrie Newoff, who's a, a, a church leader, he says this, it's hard to motivate a generation you don't understand. It's really hard to reach a generation you roll your eyes at and make fun of. And so I want to say, in our house, can we not make fun of each other? Can we try to stop to roll our eyes across generations? But can we seek to understand? And not just in church, it's really easy to be well-behaved on a Sunday, isn't it? But not just the church when we're gathered, but when we're scattered and when you're out in your workplaces and when you're out in your day-to-day lives, whatever it is that you do Monday to Saturday. Could you be a person that goes, hey, I need the voices of other generations. So I don't understand why they do that, but I'm going to ask them, hey, can you help me with that? I'm going to ask that person that I work with why they need a, need a TikTok break every 30 minutes. I'm going to ask that person who's of a different generation, hey, and this would be brave. I don't understand why you vote that way. Can you help me to understand that? Not to have an argument, but seek to understand. Maybe don't do that. It's up to you. Do it with a gracious heart. But we're, we're a body, we're a house, we're a family, and your contribution counts. We need you. If you're a Christian, I want to invite you to play your part in the body. If you're not a Christian, I want to invite you into God's family. Because we're a mess, and if you're a mess, you'll fit right in. Because God's got a place for you. And that song that we sang earlier, in my father's house, there's a place for me. I am a child of God. And we're going to finish by singing a song about, about the goodness of God. It's a brilliant funeral song, I think. Um, but it's also a song that when I sit and listen to it, when I sing along to it, I'm reminded of the times in my life where God's been good. In the different generations, in the different seasons of my life where life has been great, and I think of the people that have invested in me, the opportunities that I've been given, the people that have stood with me. I'm grateful for the goodness of God. But I also think of the seasons of my life where it's, been tough, where I've not wanted to get out of bed, where think life has just felt like one punch in the face after the other. God's goodness is never running out. And the word say, all my life you have been faithful. And that counts whether you're a day old or a million days old. God is good to you. The bridge says, your goodness is running after me. And for some generations, it might catch up with you quicker than others. But you know, God's goodness is running after you, no matter what your demographic is, no matter the generation that you are from. God loves you because you are his child. Because you are part of his family. And so in all of our locations, I want to invite you to stand to your feet. And we're going to close with this song. And I want to just invite you to think and pray and ask God, what's my contribution here? 
Or maybe you just want to stand and be grateful and say, God, I'm grateful that you are good to me. So Father God, I pray as we wrap up the Our House series, God, as we've looked at all the different things, God, I pray that we would be a house that is known of our love for you and our love for people. And Jesus, I pray as we, as we sing and celebrate your goodness, God, would you speak to us? Would you meet us? Would you help us to respond, God? And would you help us to live this out, not just as we go for coffee or, or leave, leave the service, God, but would you help us to live it out through the week? Pray in your mighty name. Amen.